Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Autistic Tidbits and Tangents podcast. We've been away for a little while, um, and today we are back with a surprise episode to talk about (laughs) the Autism Acceptance Month and uh, a little bit about its history and what we think about it and and all of that. Um, My name is Maya Todale. I'm an autistic psychologist, and this is my co-host. Kara Diamond. I'm an autistic teacher and author and university lecturer from Canada. Welcome to Autistic Tidbits and Tangents. Candid conversations between autistic off-hour professionals. (laughs) Cool. Trigger warnings for this episode include one cursey word near the end, lots of discussions of ableism, um, discussions of Autism Speaks and its history, Um, and related issues. Just trigger warnings all around. And I'm I'm in Denmark, so we have a um, six-hour time difference, which means it's day where you are, Kara, and it is very much late in the evening here. now, to those of uh, to those of you who are watching on YouTube, um, you might um, already be noticing that there are a couple of differences on my end, at least. Um, so I'm thinking maybe, Kara, we should just start with kind of a quick little update. What have we been doing since the first season and this what's going on in our lives? And yeah. then we'll get into it. So it's been about what what do you think? Four months, three months, something like that, since uh our so, last episode came to you. I have been working very hard. Yeah. Um it, it's flown by for me. It's I've just been so busy, whether it's my 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 regular job, my designing a university grad course as well, as being an elementary school teacher, writing my, or well, researching for my book. I haven't written very much yet. It's been <laughs> it's been a whirlwind. What about you? Um, well, I finished a book that I've been working on for like 10 years. Um, well, it's, it's not out. It's sent to the publisher, which for me is still like, it's done. (laughs) There's there's so little for me to do on it now. And um, hopefully, hopefully, ah, we'll see. Um, but like you, I do have kind of a tendency to pick up a whole bunch of new projects as soon as I finish just one. Um, it's um, I, I I think there's a there's a lovely uh, combination there of of autism and ADD that kind of and needing <laughs> adrenaline to get anything done. You need the adrenaline of having too much, and you're you yeah. feel like you're drop all the balls, but you just got to yeah. get them all. Yeah, yeah, and then you're too confused to do anything of it. Like, yeah. So um, if you're if you're watching on video, uh, you will see that my office is full of um, post-its, big and small, because I'm working on new projects. 
Um, and the other thing that you may or may not notice, I don't know if people look at this, but I, I know people that certainly do, so I might as well address it. Um, I'm, I'm pregnant and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 27 weeks tomorrow. So by the time this comes out, I'm almost going to be in the third trimester. And that means that I'm very likely, very, very likely, um, I, I never want to say I am having a baby because you, you don't have a baby until you have a baby, but, um, so that's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to be a mom. I'm so excited for you. I, you know what? So am I. I'm well, I'm excited about the actual having a baby part. I, I know that it's going to be hard and, um, you know, there's so many challenges um, in, in being a parent. Um, but I'm looking forward to that part. I I love, you know, watching people grow up. Yeah. And being a part of that, I think, is is uh, an immense privilege. Even when it's not your own child. So hopefully I'm going to enjoy it even more when it is. I am so um, sure you will. But I will say that pregnancy does not agree with me. Um, no. <laughs> we've talked about this a couple of times. It's, <laughs> Thank you for opening my eyes to the, the reality. <laughs> I I understand why people want to be parents because obviously I'm doing this because, well, my husband and I want to have a child. But I, I cannot recommend pregnancy. <laughs> if only we'd evolve past it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I have a couple of friends who are doctors. And um, obviously, I don't ask them for advice because they're my friends. They're not my doctors. So when there's something that I actually need to talk to a doctor about, I talk to my doctor. Um, but my, my doctor friends and I, um, there's two. Um, you know, I, I can't help having some discussions with them about how, like, without modern medicine, pregnancy is like hugely dangerous. And they're like, yes. yeah, yeah. And, and, and it actually still is. But yes. most of the time we just are able to fix things, but it's, it's not and, without risk. And we do such a terrible job, I think of, of not necessarily preparing people for the enormity and all the possibilities that, that might happen during pregnancy, yeah. you know? Um, oh yeah. Which is why I appreciate sharing in this journey with you and, and getting the real <laughs> scoop. <laughs> no matter the time the text comes through. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. Um, but we're, we're looking forward to it. So yeah. three more months to go. Yay. <laughs> so we should say what that means for the podcast. So yeah. we can't guarantee a regular schedule for the next little while. We're going to just try and get things out when we can. We don't know when we're going to be able to record. We don't know when my body stops being okay with doing things. Um, I have a pretty busy schedule up until my due date to kind of get my regular work kind of um, wrapped up and you know, getting things ready for, um, okay, this, this is going to sound weird to our international audience, I think, but I'm taking a year off for maternity leave. 
Wonderful. Um, and in Denmark, it is custom that you take the last month before uh, your due date and you Love take that, that off as well. Um, so right now it is the beginning of April. And uh, from June, I'm just not planning to work. Yeah. Um, totally what you should be doing. Totally. Yeah, I'm I'm very aware, though, of the privilege of being able to take a year off. Um, and like, I know that that's not customary in in most countries and in most cultures. Um, I'm aware of that privilege, um, but I am taking it because I I know everything that we know about developmental psychology, you guys. Yes. <laughs> take all the time off to be with the baby that you can because it is important. It is absolutely crucial to a baby's development yeah. um, in infancy. And whatever happens in infancy, infancy has huge implications for further development. So I can only recommend taking as much time off as possible. And uh, yeah, I, I know that for most people, that's not going to be a year. So. Um. I have a question for you. Very, yeah. very serious question. Okay. So I know you, you, you're probably not at the point of, of even ha- thinking about names or sharing names. Do you have something that you call the baby at the moment? You, um, did you take my suggestion? You know what? Um, I've actually, <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, I, I lost a pregnancy. Um, I had, I had one ectopic pregnancy and then I lost a pregnancy and then this one, third one seems to be the charm um the first one because it was ectopic um those are not viable and uh i had to have surgery to get out of that so that we didn't have time to to have a name for that one uh the second one we called peanut and (laughs) this one has been bean okay (laughs) up until the 20 week scan at which point we found out it's a girl oh yes and so um we actually do know what her name is going to be but i'm i don't know if my husband is comfortable with me sharing that sarah isn't it (laughs) (laughs) okay well that that is better than what i you know cletus is what i I was trying to call it (laughs) i will say that um my husband and i we have a tendency to kind of make a joke out of everything and um both of our names begin with m yeah and we had the same surname uh oh, even dear. before we got married um <laughs> that makes things he, easier yeah he took my middle name though so now we now we like have the same initials all the way through amazing <laughs> and so when we were discussing baby names it was kind of like we have to find something that starts with M just so <laughs> it can be M and M and M. Oh my <laughs> you know? gosh. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, it's quite funny. Yeah. But yeah, right. peanut and then bean, because in the beginning they're very, very small. 
Yeah. Very small. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I'm so yeah. glad that we could share that on uh, on the podcast and we will keep you posted and we will get out as episodes when we can and you just you'll have to follow us on social media and be surprised yeah. when things come out and we'll yeah. eventually get back to a regular schedule but eventually eventually <laughs> yeah um you know we we don't know exactly how everything is going to go but you know for any updates you can always follow us i'm um at maya todale or the um Sometimes I'm an autistic psychologist and Kara Diamond, you can find at Dr. Dr. Kara Diamond. Diamond. Yeah. Oh, can I tell you something funny before we get started on autism acceptance? So um, I just a couple of weeks ago, I got two emails, two different people, two different um, like projects that they wanted to get me involved in both sound really interesting by the way but also both of them independently of each other started by calling me dr toedale oh wow and i i feel so like weird about that because in denmark being a yeah. psychologist it does not equate to a doctor title yeah um so i have a master's degree I'm never getting a PhD. I don't want that much to do with academics. I really don't. And the thing is, in Denmark, it's so like you only do a PhD if you want to do research. Yes. Um, because it's just not worth the amount yeah. of work that you get out of it. <laughs> um, and so I write back to um I write back to both of them like PS, like not a doctor. I'm, I'm not a I, I don't have a doctor title. There's yeah. really no need for that. I really appreciate the implied respect and all of that. But and then one of them wrote back to me like, <clears throat> oh, in, in my country, it doesn't matter what level of degree you have. You still have a doctor title. Um. So so apparently, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that there were countries that were like. That's amazing. Yeah. So apparently there are some countries that, you know, you just get a bachelor's degree and then you, then people have to call you doctor. <laughs> Why did I go through all the degrees that I went I know, to? right? Damn it. I have a t-shirt that says not that kind of doctor, just in case anyone <laughs> wants me to try and rescue anyone. I'm not the person to come to, <laughs> you know? Uh, well, should should we get on the topic? Yes, let's do it. Autism Acceptance Month. Now, you have yeah. been you've been an advocate for such a long time. Like I remember, um, so I've been doing my job for like I don't know, eleven, twelve something years, and yeah. I found a video of you from when you were a teenager, practically. Yeah. Um, yep. And I'm late diagnosed, so you know so much more about this topic. I'm really interested to pick your brain. What you know, a horrible expression. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I didn't really notice that autism, back then it was Autism Awareness Month. I really didn't notice that it was a thing for the first many years. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it wasn't until I got much more into social media that it really became a thing. Um, and so, I mean, obviously there's, there's a long history that I'm not necessarily aware of, and we don't necessarily have 
all the same things going on in Denmark that you do in America or in Canada or, you know, um, elsewhere. But I will say that um, I think when I first heard about Autism Awareness Month, it was very much kind of like, oh, we, we need to actually. Um, and I think back then it was Autism Awareness Day. But it was very much about kind of just educating people on the fact that there is such a thing as autism. Yes. And sometimes that included things like, oh, autism is not just Rain Man. Yeah. So there's other forms of autism or this is kind of what some of the things about autism mean. Hmm. So it was very much an education thing. Yeah. Um was was how I perceived it to begin with. Obviously, okay. that's how I perceived it from my point of view in the time that I learned about it. So it's not to say that that's where it started necessarily. <laughs> and I huh. think we're gonna get into that a little bit more. Um, but then years back, I was kind of like, why why are we advocating for awareness? Like, yes, awareness is important. Obviously, it's important that people know that autism even exists. But it, people being aware of it means nothing if they don't accept it. Yes, that's a really and good. So point. I remember tweeting years ago, like, I don't, I don't want Autism Awareness Month. I want Autism Acceptance Month. Like. And I know Neuroclastic um, has a has an article on mm -hmm. how awareness is is really tied to the medical model. Like think of the other things, breast cancer awareness. You yeah. know, but like uh, when we use that word, it's like a signal of um, you know something to be fixed, something to be cured. Very often it is. Very often, um, and and it's you know if if we're even talking about things that have nothing to do with with um what's happening inside of a human body right so even if we're talking about climate awareness climate change awareness it's like it's a problem that we need to be aware of and we need to fix oh language matters language matters so much and i I've, I've always felt like by calling it autism awareness we're actually reducing it to an educational problem and i don't think it's just educational like, yes, certain things you do fix with education. So when you learn something about it, it becomes less scary. Yeah. And people tolerate better and accept better things they know something about. The unknown yeah. is very scary for human beings, right? Yeah. Um, and And that kind of applies across the board. <laughs> that applies for us, too. It's interesting because, like you were pointing out, Autism Awareness Day or month or whatever you want to call it, if, if mm -hmm. when it's positioned that way, it makes it sound like autism is the problem rather than the lack of awareness, which is the actual problem. Yeah, yeah, you know? and and it is the lack of awareness that that was the issue at the time. Yeah. Now I feel like a lot of people know about autism. Um, surface level like I, I still yeah exactly it's very, very <laughs> it's very like 
oh, I've heard about it. Or um, what I hear from kids very often when when they come to me and they've been diagnosed, you know, in their preteens or their their teens, they they come to my clinic and they're like, yeah, I don't really know if I want the other kids at school to know that I've been diagnosed because, you know, autistic is like the thing that we call people or that other kids call, you know, the kids that they're bullying. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, it's a bullying word. Mm -hmm. And that to me says that, you know, kids hear that autism exists, but they hear about it in such a way that it is perceived as negative. And then it is obviously imbued with that meaning. Yeah. Yeah. It's so not as it. good. Yeah. It's not as good as not being autistic. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, I still hear a lot of people talk about how kind of autistics, um, you know, we're not just awkward. We're like rude or we don't have empathy or we don't this and this and that. And sometimes I think we're getting past that. And sometimes I'm like, no, we're still there. <laughs> it's, it's so slow to yeah. go anywhere. I know. And just the trickle down takes forever. Like if you are not in the community, you know, e even for me, and I've, I've been in this field for a very long time, but I was only diagnosed when 2021, I think. So two years ago, less than two years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, I knew about puzzle pieces for a long time, but I still sort of interchangeably used person first and identity first. I, you know, I, I do sometimes, but I have now, I now wear being autistic as a badge. I want my yeah. students to see, you know, it's not a dirty word. Um, no. You know, it's, it's, well, I mean, when it comes to, to person first, identity first language, I, I will use them. I will use them both really. I, Especially I I, in, in I, writing, like in our books yeah. and things like, like the I, variety is the spice of life. <laughs> I lean more towards identity first. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it grammatically just doesn't make sense to phrase a sentence. Agreed. In a way. That, <laughs> um, and then it's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll we'll go with but, person first. But for me, it's very much about the tone and the that's the intention. Um, we talked about this a lot. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's that kind of, yeah. But I, but I do think, yeah, the, the trickle down of knowledge. Well, and puzzle pieces. Like, I mean, oh, the puzzle pieces. I, mm. I just got an email recently. A student, a former student of mine, their mm. class is doing autism awareness projects mm -hmm. and everyone seems to be using the puzzle piece. And my student is autistic and is saying, you know, that's actually offensive to the community. And she's doing like, she's a beautiful advocate, this, this person. Mm -hmm. um, but people are still using the puzzle piece. The teacher said, Oh, you know, yeah. maybe next year, um, something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know exactly. I wasn't there, but I, I, I'm getting it filtered yeah. through the child's perspective. Um, but once again, my child, my child, my, my former student is so frustrated that 
her actually autistic voice is being spoken over. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I just, I reminded her that when my first book came out in French, you know, I had no say, I didn't know anything. And there are puzzle pieces on the cover. There are puzzle pieces as like the chapter head and like on the inside. And I didn't know until it was already on shelves. And I I said something. And again, I had to like educate people. Yeah. Why? wasn't a good thing. And I, I'm pulling journal articles, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm directing them to the fact that autism journal changed its logo like several years ago because the puzzle piece is seen as offensive. Actually, should we talk about that just in case people don't know? Um, yeah, I think so. I'm going to hand that <laughs> one to you. Well, I, okay. So here's the thing. Um, I didn't actually learn about the puzzle piece history until very recently um and i actually have a puzzle piece necklace myself that a friend made without knowing the association yes um so they didn't even know that autism and puzzle pieces had been combined um and she's she's um she makes like um copper and and silver jewelry from scratch all by herself and I just I just thought it was cool and the thing is I've always I've always learned about the puzzle piece as like as a positive so I didn't know that there was any controversy yeah, yeah so okay so here's where I got it from I got it from um kind of like a story where it's like when you get to know that you're autistic you can start putting together the puzzle piece like the puzzle of of like why are things so difficult for me which is very true like that's a very apt yeah. analogy yeah because it, it is like oh right i i there were some puzzle pieces missing before i didn't understand why the picture was looking the way it was looking but now that I have these new puzzle pieces it's like now the picture makes sense so that's where that's where it came from for you that's for me so I didn't even know and I was wearing this puzzle piece necklace for years and years and years and I still love it because I I I honestly think it's a beautiful piece of jewelry um um, check out Blue Kitty um, Creations. Her stuff okay. is so cool. She's um, she lives in Scotland. She's an amazing, amazing jewelry smith. Um, awesome. Plug my friend whenever I can. Yeah, was she the one who made your wedding crowns? Yes, <laughs> okay. yes, it, yeah. And she's awesome. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, I have a bunch of jewelry from her. She also made a. a um, a, a necklace that's got like a, a little mask but like a, a tiny tiny silver mask and wow. I think it's so cool I love that <laughs> yeah um and again it's not like she's making this stuff for me she just makes it and I'm like that is the coolest thing ever I need to have it I need it <laughs> um so after wearing this puzzle piece necklace for years suddenly it's like Oh, oh wait, the puzzle piece comes from Autism Speaks. Which... And the perspective that we are puzzles 
to everyone else, as opposed to the way that you're positioning it. Like I can now make sense of myself. Yes. Which is what we do when, when we would discover our, our autistic identities. And the thing is the organization autism speaks, of course, has kind of a controversial history. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are sensitive, I would not recommend looking up their old um, mandates and yeah, and anything they created earlier. Twenty thirteen, twenty thirteen, they stopped using words like "cure," to to the best of my knowledge. Um, But before that, they definitely. Yeah, I think they they definitely have changed their language quite a lot in the last few years. Um, and it, it seems to me like they're trying to redeem themselves, um, move in a different direction. And I, I appreciate that attempt. Um, but yeah, like if, if you, if you are sensitive to the ways that autism has been spoken about in the past, which is very understandable, we probably all are. Don't go looking for for the history of Autism Speaks because it's bad. Like the first time I saw, um, I saw like a TV spot that they had made. It was played at a conference as an example of like, this is how we used to talk about autism. And I cried. I I started like bawling because of the way that autism was presented yes oh well and 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 again people have that in their minds still so many people I I was uh asked to speak somewhere and I was having a little bit of an interview with the person and Mm -hmm. um they knew that uh, you know I identify as an autistic and ADHD advocate Mm -hmm. and they asked me what are your peculiarities and I was like, oh. I mean, it could have been a language barrier for sure, but sure. I thought, okay, that's that's interesting. <laughs> I don't know. Just talking about the, the the things that make me weird, that does not an autistic person make. You know, mm-hmm. it's obviously a huge part of how I have always felt different and been perceived as different mm-hmm. in certain ways, but my autism is so much more than that. And yeah. and I I have really been reading a lot about the uh, like taking a value neutral approach so honoring the stuff that is really difficult honoring the stuff that is disabling honoring the stuff that is um you know so hard and isolating but also there's like there are things that contribute to our well-being and joy and um parts of our identity that are just really tremendous and both we, exist at the same time we are complete people Yes. In the same way that everyone else is. Our complete human beings. Yes. We have flaws. We have talents. We have. We have challenges and we have benefits like, or language. Um, <laughs> like neoliberalism, don't get benefits. Yeah. <laughs> but we, like. We are always made to feel like we are only valuable if we are useful. And I think that applies to every human being. Yeah. We live in capitalistic society um but then that's sort of how how worth tends to be measured is like are you productive in the economic sense are Mm -hmm. you do you have something to offer everybody else yeah 
yeah, and it's um, it's sad that that's the reality of it. Because at the same time, I mean, I, I feel like there are so many groups that that keep talking about how like I'm going to say something horrible, but like every life is sacred. But then when that life exists and does not financially contribute to society, then it's worthless. And yes. and I I don't understand how those two views exist at the same time. We're having something similar in Canada at the moment. So mm-hmm. we have we basically have medically assisted suicide is now something that is available, mm-hmm. but it is easier to get that than to get disability benefits, to get any social support. Wow. Um, so that is hugely problematic. Um and there have right. been there have been I can't remember if it was a newspaper article or like an actual government report, but it talked about the economic benefits of this policy. You know, just, it just is like, it's disgusting. It it, it makes, makes me feel sick to think about things like that. But again, that it's so hard for any disabled person, I think, to exist in the world and not, not get that internalized ableism and someone who is non-disabled to have like a healthy view of human human beings like us, you know? Yeah. I mean, I also I also just think like sometimes I feel like society has has become a place where if you don't fit into exactly the right um box, then you can't be a part of it. Like, okay, so I I know that you talk a lot about how, you know, all kids need different supports for for having the best learning environment, regardless of whether they have a diagnosis even or whether they qualify for a diagnosis. Um, You know, it's it's not that um, kids with diagnoses need support. It's that everyone needs different support in order to function at their optimal level everyone needs an appropriate level of support and challenge yeah and I feel like that applies to adults as well so the way I see it is like we keep trying to say oh but all of these people who you know autistic people ADHD people you know, whatever diagnosis we're discussing, everyone needs to be able to have at least one full-time job in order to fit in. And like many of us probably are capable of having some level of employment under the right circumstances, right? So this is something that you and I have discussed before. I don't even know if it was on the podcast. I don't remember. We have, we have so many conversations that are on and off the podcast. I can't. I can't keep track. I'm sorry. Um, so I, I may be repeating something here, but like I tell the same stories all the time. It's okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm. I've been on disability since I was about 19. Um, at that point, I really had no working potential. Um, but that has developed over time and I'm now able to work 
approximately eight hours a week ish um in my clinical work which is not a lot but on the other hand it's a lot more than nothing and and it does contribute to society because i mean those are eight hours of work that i actually pay taxes on and those are eight hours a week that i spend you know helping people get better so that they can become happier and fuller people and maybe they can return to work or they can have a part-time job or whatever and you know on top of that i'm able to do this and have quality of life at the same time it means that i'm never going to make a lot of money you know, I'm I'm never going to have the income that someone who's able to have a normal full-time job is able to do because yes. otherwise I'm going to go into burnout in like three months. <laughs> but it's a lot more than nothing. And it doesn't mean that I'm not contributing. I'm doing everything that I can. And is that not also worthwhile? Absolutely. Um, that's such a, a good point too, because yeah, it's, it's like, again, it's that capitalistic more, 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 more. We value amounts. We value quantity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not, not we, in ge- but you know, the general no, but society. I mean, we, we cheer for people who work 50, 60 hours a week. I we- had, you know, I, during, during the closure periods where schools weren't open and we were all online, I just had to keep telling my students, give yourself breaks, do something that feels good. What are you doing for yourself today to get away from that idea that you can only take a break if you feel like you've accomplished everything? Yeah. No, breaks are actually going to help you accomplish the things that are hard for your brain to do. Yeah. I I spend so much time with like the the perfectionist um, autistic teens in in my practice I wonder why (laughs) talking to them about how like no you don't necessarily have to do all of your homework yes um there's a difference between reading something and skimming it for example I teach Um, my students how to skim too (laughs) and you know not every um assignment has to be delivered to an a plus standard it not everything has has to be a plus Especially like a practice work, you know, if it's a project you're handing and yes, you might want to put in a bit more effort there, but practice work, but like not everyone needs to get a plus all the time. Well, and there's do a lot of things in life without getting A's. True, And and even most people don't need good grades. Like why? Tell kids all the time, like do your best, but really like, best is a superlative it's in comparison to other things not everything can be your best logically but it's also like acknowledging the fact that (laughs) we're getting completely off topic but acknowledging the fact that you can't do a hundred percent all the time and we as adults like I don't know about you but I've talked to so many autistic adults who are frustrated because their colleagues phone it in all the time and, mm-hmm. and we have it in our brains that we have to we have to produce to that level but because I, it's trying to make up for the things that are so hard for us 
But I think that comes from all the criticism that we face early on in our lives. You know, we learn that we're not good enough. So we learn we have to try harder. We have to work harder. We have to be better all the time. And, and so we, we kind of internalize that it is our fault and we need to do better in order to I think for me, a lot of it has always been people will not be able to criticize me and they will potentially love me more the more I do for them. Mm Mm-hmm. Or the you better know? I do in life. like Or the better I do, yeah. Yeah. And and I definitely, you know, th- there was a part of that involved in me getting my degree, for sure. That it wasn't good enough to just be an autistic advocate because people weren't listening to what I had to say when I didn't have a degree. Now that I'm a psychologist... You know, more people pay attention, more of the people who need to pay attention to what I'm saying. Um, I I will say that not all, like, there are still municipalities that are like, yeah, whatever. We have someone else that says something different. Um, But it's, you know, there's a lot of internalized, like, it's my voice and my knowledge is not good enough as it is it doesn't speak for itself i need to have something external that can show people that i know what i'm saying is is valuable mm-hmm. and that it should be valuable to them yes and i think i think that drive um doesn't necessarily always come from a good place um no we always have to look at the source of of what's behind, especially our perfectionists, like you were talking about. And you and I are both perfectionists too. I Very think. Much. Um, Very much. But yeah, I worry just as much about the students who are handing in all their work on time. You know, me. You know, do, mm-hmm. doing like the, the perfect job. More maybe oh. because what are they bottling up? What is fueling them to that? Yep. Is it fear? Because if it's fear, then we got a big problem. Yeah. And also, if a student is doing perfectly all the time, are they being challenged? Yes. Are they being challenged? Do they know how to relax? Um, do they ever have fun? You know. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hard questions, too. Yeah. But I think that also um, ties into what is autism acceptance even, right? Because if we're talking about how we become perfectionists in order to cope with a world that doesn't accept us. Yes. Maybe acceptance would help, mm-hmm. you know, that would going, make things growing go a lot up quicker. with acceptance might yeah. cause less anxiety and might make us, and I'm going to say this less disabled because a lot of the time I in feel some like, context, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of the time with with all the different autistic people that I talk to, it's not necessarily autism that is the big challenge for them. The big challenge is the anxiety and the depression and the self-doubt and And the lack of self-worth and the eating disorders and everything that comes from 
not feeling good enough or not feeling like you have agency, you know, the ability to, to act and be in control of your life. I I think, you know, if I lived in a world without other people, I was just in like a hut somewhere. Oh, it'd be glorious in some ways, but there would definitely still be things disabling, but I don't think I would have the negative feeling towards those. It would just be, this is my reality, value neutral. You know, Mm. this is hard for me. This is not, this is very hard for me. I bump into things all the time. Like, (laughs) you know, uh, all all the things that kind of come with it, but I wouldn't have necessarily the, yeah, the judgment about, or the shame or, or things like that attached Mm. to it. But yeah, like, much of what is disabling comes from other people, but some of it is still going to be disabling, even if there were no people. Of course, our sensory sensitivities don't go away. You Though know, being cut in the woods would be pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it helps. I mean, yeah. gosh. Oh, I, so I have, um, I had a client who uh, was able to actually move into um, one of their parents, uh, summer home, like a little, like a little summer home somewhere out far away from, you know, people. It definitely was not, um, not a city area. Um, there's, there's other summer homes like, but it's, it's quiet because it's, it's Mm -hmm. not as crowded. Um, and the thing is when, when he lived in his own apartment in the center of the city, his anxiety levels were through the roof, impossible to control. Whenever he had the opportunity to go and live in that summer house, he was able to start cooking. He was able to sleep. Yeah. He was able to enjoy playing video games. And these seem like really small things, but if you're so locked in anxiety that you can't even, you know, cook a healthy meal or you can't sleep and you can't enjoy your special interests, like just, just bringing the anxiety level down to the point where there are things you can enjoy in life is going to put you on the path to healing. Yeah. But also thinking like how with the rise historically of cities and <laughs> electricity and all of the noise the cars the lights everywhere the the crowds of people like cities are awful you know i think they're not good for our mental health our autistic brethren you know who lived in little rural villages 200 years ago would in many ways have been much happier can I generalize that though? Because yes, it's please. not just autism. Um, oh. The rate of the rate of schizophrenia is like thirty percent higher if you've grown up in the city. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder. We hmm. don't know. Yeah. We do not know is the thing. But yeah. the rate of of many mental illnesses slash diagnoses, whatever. Um, the rate is higher for people who grow up and who live long-term in um, city areas. More stressful conditions. Yeah. So the further out you get to the suburbs or the countryside, 
the less distress there is. But how how accurate is that? Because it's also harder to access diagnoses in rural communities. Yes, but this is true even in countries like Denmark, where you can drive literally from one end of the country to the other in four hours. What? Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. Even oh. here, hmm. if you if you compare the population of Copenhagen, Aarhus, Odense, to the rural areas or to suburbs such as where I live. Like I I live a 15 minute walk away from a train and 20 minutes from another train. And there are buses here. Like it's, we have a really good, you know, easy to get around. I have 40 minutes with public transportation to the center of Copenhagen. But I'm far enough out of the city that even here, if you compare it to the city, there's less mental illness here. And I have felt personally my anxiety levels dive. Yes. Like from living in the center of Copenhagen, which I did for years. Just taking the decrease in noise pollution from Uh there to here. I sleep better. When you sleep better, you function better. When you sleep better, your anxiety levels drop. Uh And a lot of the time, yes, it's a circle because if you're anxious, you don't sleep well. And if you then don't sleep well, you become more anxious and such and such. But over time, Uh just removing noise pollution, it's huge. And I can generalize further because it's also true for physical illnesses. Wow, that's incredible. Living in the city is not good for humans. Bad for all of us. It's bad for everyone. We really shouldn't do the whole, like, metropolitan thing. I find, so anecdotally, this is not based on research, like what Maya just said, but anecdotally, (laughs) I... The only time I feel truly relaxed um, is when I'm out in nature. My brain chatter mm-hmm. just like slows down, yep. fills me with peace. Uh, that's that's why but, I dream of moving off the grid someday. <laughs> but again, we can show that with research. When people spend more time in nature, their heart rate drops, their, their resting heart rate drops over time. Um, they, they, there's a decrease in, in, in symptoms of whatever distress they have. Um, nature is healing. That tracks. Animals are healing. Um, community, but like real community, not just having people around, but having community. People who understand you. You know, it reminds me, it's going back to the idea of the puzzle piece. Mm -hmm. I had a student once who said something along the lines of he used the analogy of the puzzle piece but not but more like how you used it Mm -hmm. and he talked about how being in a classroom with other autistic children um was a lot like um the puzzle piece analogy every piece fits every piece fits together when 
when you find your people, when you find your community. Absolutely. I, I agree. It's when you, when you have not known that you're autistic and then you find out, oh, I'm autistic and you start meeting other autistic people and you start finding the ones you click with. Yes. Suddenly you feel understood, truly understood. For the first time. For the first sometimes. time in your life. Mm-hmm. And like, I have, I, I will say this again and again, and I, I, I say it even to them and they, they know, they understand. I have the most amazing friends who are neurotypical yeah. and they don't, they don't fully understand me. I don't fully understand them. We never will. We try. We love each other. I I never want to give up that friendship. Yes. But that instinctual, innate understanding of one another is never yes. going to be there. Yes, exactly. But what is there to get back to the topic yes. is acceptance. <laughs> acceptance. Oh, good bringing it all, tying it all together. <laughs> See what I did there? Amazing. All right. Yeah. Okay. So we've actually spent a lot of time completely going off the rails, but this is autistic tidbits and tangents, right? So tangents are a part of the package. Get used to it. Um, (laughs) But what we wanted to discuss as well, we, we talked about this very briefly before we started recording, was what happens when it almost becomes too much. So we've gone from autism awareness to autism acceptance. I see people talking about autistic pride and we've, we've discussed, and I think you had found a, um, an article or a blog or something that talked about how um, in some cases it almost erodes the discussion of autism as a disability and mm-hmm. becomes very much a focus on autism is great autism is fantastic we are just the best people ever and it kind of makes me think yeah which is great i i want to focus on the positive i do but i also get this little tinge in the back of my mind of like back when people would say oh asperger's is the next step in human evolution mm-hmm. and that always made me cringe so bad Yes, definitely. Like, why Why is there always this need to have a hierarchy? I, I hate it so I, much. I, I don't want. No, we're not better. We're not better not than all. anyone else. And and I find it is also demeaning because we have legitimate needs mm-hmm. that appear differently at different times. Yep. Um, and they develop with age. Yes. They, they change. Yeah. And with stress, they change. And with, you know. Mm-hmm any sort of life circumstance suddenly yeah. I'm shut down and not be able to speak for a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so I, yes, but I, but I find like with any marginalized community, we have very similar issues to issues in other marginalized communities when it comes to advocacy, mm-hmm. but usually it starts as we need to counter the grand tragedy narrative. Yeah. And so it becomes overwhelmingly positive, inspiration, porny, often exclusive of other voices that are more marginalized, you yeah. know, from even you within know, the community. 
Yeah. Oh, well, we know there's a big problem with white white autistics talking louder than anyone else. We are sorry. We're trying not to. Uh, please come on. Other people. Um, yes, please come talk to us. We have... There are so many autistic experiences that cannot be encapsulated in one perspective anyhow. Yeah. Um, I feel like I just lost my thought. The marginalized communities tragedy narrative, counter that with the inspiration porn narrative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, going back to that value neutral approach, there's a great article or great chapter by Robert Chapman, and they are a researcher. I want to try and get them on the podcast because yeah. their work is amazing. Um, but I, I loved considering how even sometimes, you know, there there is a tension that exists when we say, you know, we're different, but you need to treat us the same. Um, it, it, you know, we're yeah. different. Um, we should be left just as we are, but... But but things are hard for us. But you know we're amazing. Like there's so many different different aspects. We we haven't agreed on what autism acceptance should be. I think that's no. And and I I think that goes back to um really that it in an ideal world Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be about autism acceptance or autism awareness or autism whatever. It would just be about people being different um i i i always love um there's there's this cartoon picture that travels around the internet and i don't know where it came from i'm so sorry i really i i I wish i could source it but i i have no idea who made it or where it originated but it's these three um people of different heights trying to look over a fence yeah and the first picture they're each standing on one box and obviously the shortest one cannot see over the fence the middle one can and the tallest one is like way over the fence um like plenty of room yeah and that that is when when equality is treated as make it the same for everyone right Mm -hmm versus then on the other side of the picture the tallest person is not standing on a box but the shortest person is standing on two boxes and now everyone can see and that to me is the point that I want to get to with all of the work that I do is like it doesn't matter what you think autism is it doesn't matter what you think we need of support each person needs different support and it's not about you know um treating us the same as everyone else it's about giving us the same opportunities to have an environment that we can thrive in and maybe even more importantly, and I can't take credit for this because I've seen people kind of riffing off of of that those memes, is mm-hmm. just get rid of the fence. Yeah, let's get rid of the fence. Yeah, you know, get rid of the barriers for everyone. Like, how do we make the world more accessible, more comfortable, mm-hmm. more understanding for every sure. person? And I, you know, I know because being a psychologist, being a teacher, we see the impact in schools that 
like labels are gatekeepers. Labels are gatekeepers for support. Labels are not accessible to everyone. We know we have huge problems under diagnosing not just autism, but other things as well in marginalized everything. rural yeah. communities. And, and, you know, but labels, what they what where they are helpful is they're like they are basically like a schema, you know. So if I'm like, oh, I have a student who's dyslexic, that might mean this is hard for them and this is hard for them, and I can start by doing this and Tell this, and, this dog. <laughs> and then talking to them and um but labels when la- when getting a label is so highly competitive and difficult to do labels are not the answer no no and okay so in order to get rid of the labels as they are we would need to restructure society completely um because Society is structured in a way that having a diagnosis means having access to support. And we would need to do away with that system in its entirety in order to get rid of the labels, right? On the other hand, I also have, and this is perhaps the the psychologist part of me. (laughs) Sorry to people I'm about to offend. Um, I feel like the problem with diagnoses being used as labels is that people have a hard time recognizing what a diagnosis actually is. Uh So a diagnosis is not, this is you. Uh A diagnosis is a description saying these symptoms that we generally see together and we call this thing. Um, they they apply to you. That tells us something about the support that you might need and what interventions might be useful for you. Exactly, that mental heuristic, you know? And And there's a big difference between saying, you now fit into this box and saying, this description fits well enough with you, that we can utilize it as a tool to get you the support you need. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is that is the difference that we need to recognize before labels can become either a positive thing or before we can stop talking about it as this huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um. Because it is just, you know, getting access to the support that you need, which is also really what autism acceptance is all about, isn't it? Because, I mean, when I see descriptions of, like, what is Autism Acceptance Month about, it is, you know, getting information and resources um, for communities to be more aware of autism, promote acceptance, and be more inclusive in everyday life, right? Or it's, you know, um, for autistic individuals to to be able to live fully in all areas of their life. Like, yeah, it's about getting the support that we need. Not more, not less, not the wrong kind of support, just what we need. An environment that is adaptive to us. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, tangent. <laughs> uh, imagine if we had to announce tangent anytime we went off on a tangent. <laughs> we would add a lot of minutes to our uh, our talk. Tangent. Um, I heard a wonderful talk by an autistic um, Indigenous Canadian woman um, uh, named C.E. Chapel. Uh, she gave a talk at the Awesome Conference last year. And one of the things that she said was that she only needed a diagnosis off the reserve. So having grown up, or, or I, I don't know if she grew up, but she definitely lived um, most of her life, to my knowledge, on um, you know an Indigenous reserve. Uh, but I thought that was really interesting too. It really speaks to environment and what you were talking about earlier. Exactly, and it, and and it makes sense because if we think back, or not you and I think back, but like. What I hear when I talk to people who are in their 70s and 80s now is like, oh, but we didn't need to to like call everyone depressed or anxious or autistic or whatever back in my day. Back then, people were just themselves. Well, yes. yeah, you were living in smaller communities that actually made it possible for people to live as who they are with their differences, with their challenges, with just their full selves. It was all acceptable. It was acceptable to be different within that small community because everyone knew everyone. And when everyone knows everyone, there's generally like more acceptance to go around, except of course, when there isn't and people get bullied out of small communities and that sort of thing happens too. But like, I I really think that's where it comes from. Like when, when you have a smaller environment around you. You're more accepting of diversity because everyone yeah. knows one another. The more people you have, the more we put people in boxes, the more we control, the more we, yeah, yeah. the more compartmentalize. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I, I think it's, I'm going to say something very psychologist-y again, but like, I, I think it comes from the fact that the human brain just isn't made to be able to cope with so many people. Yeah. Like, we are made to be able to cope with knowing our own tribe yeah. and knowing them in detail and having that community that makes sense. We're not made to be able to deal with like, you know, going to a high school with 3000 kids. We're just not made for that. So how do we, how do we create a world or change the world so that everyone is seen? I guess that's the question. That's the, the dilemma for the ages. Oh, gosh. Big question. You just had to throw that at me. <laughs> we can leave it as a hypothetical. I know there's no easy answers. This is there one of those isn't things. an easy answer. I think though, I think it's about what we teach kids from the time that they're very young. I think teaching kids that it's okay to be different in every which way. Um, and how to communicate their differences, how to state their boundaries in a healthy way, 
how to accept other people's boundaries in a healthy way. You that know, we all have support needs. You, this is basically my next book. Yeah, you're describing. It's, it's basically that. But like when we teach kids to communicate from an early age, when we teach them that, then they have those tools growing up. And it's and so I'm much thinking. harder. It's so much harder to teach a 40 year old to accept people that they've never been taught to accept or that or they have been taught themselves. all. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 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 No, it's, but it's like, and, and this is not to say that you're old when you're 40. It's just like, neuroplasticity is still there. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Like you've, like even when you're 60 or 70 or 80 or 90, you can still learn new things, but it takes longer and it's more difficult and you have to want to learn new things to a higher degree. Whereas a child, their neuroplasticity is off the charts in comparison. They learn faster mm -hmm. and that that's, that's just a fact of life. Um, and so I think all the work that we're doing with autism acceptance today needs to extend to children. I agree. I also see the payoff in 30 years. And I think there's sort of a two pronged approach. So it's not only teaching children that everyone needs help sometimes that's okay we all have things that are hard for us we can all ask for things that help us mm -hmm. you have that right yeah um, it's also a two-prong approach because we have to get the adults reflecting on their expectations and are they fair are they necessary are they neurodivergent friendly are yep. there alternate um possible pathways like does it have to be this way are there any other acceptable ways you know mm -hmm. It's like this, the child self-reflection, the adult self-reflection, yeah. that is like the magic combo. I've decided to actually use an analogy. I, I talk about it being like um, in the most powerful force is the co combination um, yeah. of, of and teacher self-reflection. And it's like Godzilla with a lightsaber, you know, that it, it's the most powerful force. When you bring those things together, I actually have like an animation in one of my presentations. Oh I'm my gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I very much agree. Um, and if it's okay for me to, to end on an anecdote, please. An autistic friend of mine, um, has just started a job for the first time in a very long time. Their old job, they were harassed and verbally abused, bullied by their bosses. And they have been very traumatized by the work environment that they've been in before. And their autism back then was used as a bullying mechanism. Like, you don't understand the work assignment, you did it badly because you're autistic. Oh, that was, that was what they came from, right? Yes. So they've been unemployed and in treatment for a very long time. They're still in treatment for, for all the, the trauma that, that they have accumulated because of all the, frankly, 
shit that they've been through. Um, and now they've just started this new job. And at this new job, um, for the first time ever, they are experiencing accommodations in a professional setting. And I had I had a chat with them not very long ago, and they said, you know, it's so weird. It's it's almost anxiety producing to have accommodations be made for me because I don't know how to deal with it. I've never had it before. It's so new and different and uncertain for me. And I said, yeah, yeah, it is. It's exactly that. You've been taught that you were not worth getting the accommodations that you need. You were taught that it was not okay for you to ask for what you needed. Yes. But you do have that right. You are worth that. And when you are given that, look at what you can do. Like, look at look at the things you actually create. Um, they they work in uh, games graphics. And they are a tremendously, like, amazing, beautiful artist. Like, I love their work. Um, And, like, look at what you can do when the accommodations are there. Look at what you can do when you are given the free reign to work from home some days. Look at what you can do when people accept you. I wish everyone had that. And and that is that is exactly where we need to get to. Is. That is exactly it. We're not gotta asking, keep planting those seeds. We're not asking for, or at least I'm not, when I talk about autism acceptance or even autistic pride, I'm not talking about us being treated as though we're special or better than anyone else. The only thing I want is to get the the accommodations for each person, and that includes all the people who are not autistic, for them to be able to thrive in the environment they're in. Because that is how we all live better. I think that's the perfect place to end. I couldn't say it better. That uh, I agree with you 100%. I, I hope that and I know I know that we make a difference with what we do. And we get emails sometimes from people reaching out to say we've helped them process their diagnosis or their child's diagnosis. Um, and I, I like to think that there's a cumulative impact of many people all over the world planting seeds for a kinder and more compassionate world. And um so many voices, like the more we elevate everyone else's voice too, um, maybe we can help make the world the way you describe, the way it should be. Hopefully. We can work towards it. Avengers assemble. <laughs> well, I guess that's it for now. We'll, I guess so. We'll see you all when we see you. Yeah. Um, follow us on social media. Uh, I, I don't use Twitter very much anymore. <laughs> um, 
I actually don't use social media a whole lot, honestly. But I'm trying. Yeah, I I don't. I'm trying. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you can find us. I think we're both on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Correct. And um, yeah, keep an eye out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast. Share it with people you know. Um, if you enjoy it, if you, if you hate it, then please don't <laughs> keep your opinion to yourself. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay to disagree. It's okay. I'm kidding. We, I'm kidding. We, we don't, we don't collect haters necessarily. Yeah. We've, we've had those before. We don't yeah. need more of them. We definitely don't. We don't need more. And, and nobody needs hate anyway. So. Constructive um, criticism, yeah. we will always take them. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, um, subscribe, share the things, um, do do all the social media stuff, and we look forward to being back whenever we're back. And until then, happy Autism Acceptance Month. Take care. We love you. Bye. See you later. Bye. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>